0: Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Rhonda Petit. Rhonda Petit is a sales and business peak performance coach with 35 years of sales and sales management experience in corporate America in the life sciences and diagnostic markets. She has experience working with Fortune 500 and Fortune 1000 companies. Today, she works enthusiastically with corporations and individuals with champion mindsets who know school is never out, who want to continually grow to unleash and activate more of their true potential and power. She helps people discover their deepest desires, leverage an untapped potential in their hearts, activate their potential, and achieve their personal and professional goals so they can create the life they want and realize true fulfillment. Rhonda is a seasoned sales professional, a certified coach, leader in demand speaker, and author of the new book that just came out in October, The Spirit of Selling. Welcome to the podcast, Rhonda. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yes, I'm very excited about this new book you have behind you there on the screen. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So yeah, but just so people can kind of know who you are, why don't you tell us where you started out and
1: um, how you got to be doing what you are doing now? I started out, um, I came out of college as a chemistry and business administration major. I had a dual major. I always liked business and commerce and was always into science and math. Love that. And but I, when I was in my last year of uh, school, I did an internship in a lab and I realized that that wasn't going to be for me. And so there was a, a, a sales representative for the chemicals that we bought and that person must've got a promotion. And so there was an open position and the manager I was working for in the lab, she says, well, just go apply for the sales job, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so I did and, um, I, you know, I tell a story in the book, like I didn't get the first job, but I ended up, they called me back and I got in, in and I was the first woman in a company called JT Baker Chemical, which is today is called Avatar, Avatar, a part of Avatar. And uh, it was like an 85 year old company. And I was the first woman ever that they sent out in a car, like with no commercial sales experience without doing any inside sales. And that's how I started. And I've never left sales since. Um, So I I transitioned from selling chemicals, and then I got into the molecular biology field when the uh, genome was being sequenced, and uh, did that for was in that company for about 11 years, and kind of evolved from there into sales management positions and roles with various different life sciences and diagnostics companies, but. Absolutely love selling, have never done anything else and just very passionate about it. And uh, so after that, um, uh, when I, you know, things evolved after 35 years and I left corporate to start my own coaching business because I always wanted, I knew and entrepreneurially that I wanted to run a business. And uh, this idea during COVID came to me about writing a book And if you would have asked me 35 years ago, if I was ever going to write a book, I would would have told you I'm not creative and that's not my thing. Uh, But I got some information in regards to this universal law and the principles of universal law. And when I realized how I had been an unconscious competent and realized how powerful this information would have been if I had it when I was 21, that really drove me and I said this has to get out the world needs to hear this um it's time (laughs) and then the the work kind of got channeled through me and it's been an out like a year and a half journey to get it on you know published today it's out and it's just been very exciting and I'm just thrilled for the people that come behind me it's part of a legacy just to leave maybe something so they can take the torch and go further
0: Beautiful. I love that. And I love how you um, were listening to yourself, even as a young person thinking, oh, this isn't for me and actually having the courage to move into something totally new, no experience. So if you can remember, go back to that first time when you're going out in the car, your first call, what were you thinking? How, how were you
1: strategizing, how you're going to do this? I, I was, I had burning desire. I can tell you that I wanted to be, I wanted to be successful. I was determined to be successful. I was scared. Um, you know, I, I tell a story in my book about, I, you know, 21, you come out of college, right. And you, you, you know, picture a blonde, you know, and I've got this Royal blue suit on and Royal blue high heels and. And at the time in the eighties, I had those big earrings. And I remember after the first week talking to my boss, I said, nobody's taking me seriously. And he looked at me and he said, well, can I be honest with you? And he, I said, well, sure. And he said, you know, do you, if you went to see a lawyer, um, would you expect the guy to be showing up kind of in jeans and a T-shirt you know, with his feet up on the desk, or would you, you would you expect that he's going to charge you $250 an hour? He's going to have a suit on and, you know, a Mont Blanc pen and whatever. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I would. He said, well, same thing goes here, you know, because it, it again, this is back in the eighties. I mean, it was pretty a predominantly male dominated, you know, society. And so, you know, that I took his word. So he told me about this book, Dress for Success. And You know, I had to do that, but I I think, I think I always, I I was just, I kind of, I love being with people. I loved like the aspect of the, like trying to understand what was it that they wanted, like the curiosity part of it. And my dad was a state policeman and maybe that, you know, the detective in him, like had always worn off on me. So I was always Asking why. In fact, when I would go to the sales meetings, they would literally laugh because I had my hand up, you know, like in school and I was always asking why, why, you know, (laughs) and they literally would check mark like how many times, like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, how many questions did she ask this meeting? (laughs) But I, you know, I was just, just a curious cat, I guess, Um, but I never stopped. And I, you know, I, I was determined that I was going to succeed. I had my, my number I was doing things like the visualization and stuff like the quota. So I took the quota, the number and in, in big white paper on my first apartment, it's a one bedroom apartment. And I have 1 million, blah, blah, whatever it was. And I looked at that number every day mm-hmm. and, you know, I just, I, I succeeded, but I didn't know what it was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, so you had the foresight even at that age to do that. And, you know, you, you brought up a really important point in that, People are afraid to ask even older people. Sometimes they're afraid to ask the questions that need to be asked. And if they only ask, there's there's help available. There's um, oh, yeah. you know insight available, but we don't have it because we don't ask for it.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's the that the power of a question is that there's always an answer for it. Right. I mean, if you ask a question, there is always going to be an answer you know, but you do have to ask, ask and you shall receive, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly, exactly. So when you were doing this, it was really a B2B or business to business type of selling. What's the difference between that and when people are selling to an individual or to the consumer?
1: Um, Well, in the business to business, you You know, you would go, and in those days, you had to get by like the secretary or whoever was there, and you had to figure out like where the people were, and a lot of it was persuasion and friendliness with who you and you know you'd enter a business and you'd say, "I'm Rhonda from JT Baker, and you know I'd like to speak to the lab manager, you know, in operations, and would you have an appointment?" And you know, well, no, or you know, or sometimes I did, you know, it depends. But and then once. So as unlike an individual, you're selling to an organization. So the, the, the big thing is determining how many people are involved in the decision-making process. And based upon like what you're selling, like I've sold everything from salt, you know, like a $25 bottle of salt or something to uh, $750,000 instruments. And the processes vary in a business, depending upon the economic buyer and who has to sign off, right? Because these are investments that they're making and so you really have to get in tune with um, Miller Hyman wrote a good book. Like there's four buyers. There's an economic buyer, the person that actually has the ability to say, yes, I'll be responsible for making this company investment <laughs> in my heads on the line if, if, if we don't get a return on it. Um, you've got user buyers, the people that actually have to use the product and like what they're using. And then you've got technical buyers that make decisions based upon, is it technically going to, you know improve our product or help with quality or whatever. And then you usually look for a coach, somebody that's going to coach you along to, to help tell you like who's in charge or, you know, there's always political things going on in the background. So I guess, you know, an individual is, it's very specific. That person's going to make the decision, but when you go into B and B, you know, you've got a wide street, you've got to adapt a strategic approach and you really have to think about not only, Internally, what's going on? But then, what kind of competition are they talking to, and what are those products and the and advantages, disadvantages to yours? Um, so it, it's it's totally different dynamic, much more um, strategic in the sense that you're you've got to understand more of a whole um, and all these different people's needs, personal and professional, um, and put that all into the comp, into the solution. Mm-hmm and now
0: you're working with corporations and individuals. So how is your marketing or your outreach different than what you were doing then? Um,
1: I do a lot of outreach to, you know, through networking, you know, like for sales trainings, um, I've gotten, you know, a lot of through my network of people who knew me. And I, and I kind of tend towards the molecular diagnostics and life science industry as my niche because I know and understand it so well from being in it for 35 years. So I would say I use networking and then just individual reaching out and um, LinkedIn is probably my go-to, you know, the, the main area of reaching out to people and connecting. Mm-hmm. And it's been it's been rewarding. But the networking, you know, people say again. When you rely on people and you ask people to help you and assist you or who should I talk to and stuff like that, most people want to help you. You know, it's just a matter of that we'll go back to that asking again, you know, you get curious and ask for help. but i'm I'm very passionate about working with people like myself that had always wanted to do more. Like I used to read like you know, as a kid, my mom and dad did a side gig uh, in Amway. And we used to have these Success Unlimited magazines. Um, some younger people may not know what that is, but it was like a little, five, I don't know, seven by five little magazine. And it would have articles from Og Mandino and Earl Nightingale. And they always talked about, you know, you have all this potential, like, and people hear it all the time. Like we use 10, what less than 10% of our potential mm-hmm. and this 90% that goes untapped and Curious Rhonda again, you know wanted to figure out how do I get to that? You know, how do I get to that potential? And then when I found out how, (laughs) so I had to get this, this book published, because it's just, uh, it's unbelievable how when you get aligned with universal law, which is truth, uh, your life just gets easier. And it's uh, so much more enjoyable.
0: Mm -hmm. So talk about that. How do we get aligned with universal
1: truth? Um, you know, I, in my book, what I, what I, uh, talk about is universal law. There's seven universal laws for the way the universe works. And then there's seven spiritual laws of success, which talk about interacting with people, right? So you need both. So you, you can observe in nature, you know, all the universal laws have been proven Newton's proved them, you know, and I'm a science major. So it's like, it all resonates. It's how everything in nature, as well as you work. And then you've got the spiritual laws for success, which really emphasize how we're all connected and how harmony and connection and live and let live. And everyone has their special talents and how not to get attached to things, how to do things with least effort, with least resistance is really what that's all about. And when you study them and you understand them, And when you read them, when truth, when you hear truth, it resonates with you. You can't, you know, it's, you don't feel any resistance. You know, it's truth. And I think the biggest challenge that I see when I'm coaching people or anyone is that we either have the only thing that holds us back is disbelief, which is the absolute refusal to believe something is true or a belief that we adopted that hasn't grown to meet our desire. So something we we believe because it was given to us maybe when we were kids or by somebody that we trusted that we thought it was the truth. Now there was never, again, a belief is an idea that you accept as true with absolutely no proof. Like there's no scientific proof behind it, but you're walking around with it. I mean, people in corporate, you'll see them getting arguments. I mean, you'll get people go bashing into battles to defend them, right? But they're nothing more than an idea. And what I always ask people is if you're not getting what you want and you see somebody who is, ask yourself what idea are you believing that they're rejecting, or what idea are you rejecting, absolutely not willing to believe that they believe? And that usually gets people to think a little bit. But that's the only thing that's holding us back because it's programming. It's like, having a, uh, it, like I would like, as if I would carry around a program, the computer that I had in 1985 with the DOS disc and stuff and try to use it in 2021. It's not going to work. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. An example. Yes. And we do that <laughs> stuff from childhood. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that's the benefit of working with a coach um, and you know the young younger generation, millennials, seem much more amenable to to trying it out and talking to a coach. Um, and maybe because of habit, because our parents didn't do it or whatever. I don't know what the resistance is, but I would say, hey, if you're bucking a wall and you're on a hamster wheel and you're constantly hitting a wall or a glass ceiling, it's your beliefs, man. <laughs> so you got to do an examination of those. <clears throat> and but once you do and you prove. You, you start realizing truth. So, so that that's the number one, you know, then you start ready, you, you, you start saying, okay, well, I'm going to bust beliefs. If I I'm at least going to examine the prison I'm in and figure out what belief is holding me back. And I think the second biggest thing that I had to learn was that source energy is here and life is happening for you and to trust it. And to go into the flow and get into the flow and the abundance of that, and to trust that there is an infinite power and there's nothing that you can't be, do, or have. And that's where anytime when, you know, it was either belief or not, or thinking I had to do it all myself, those were the times when I fell. That makes total sense. And it's, so freeing
0: when you talk about being in the flow and just letting go of those old things and being open to, you know, believing that things are unlimited and they're
1: available. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing that happened in the eighties or back then, like when women, when we were coming out and becoming more and more predominant in business, initially we were told to hold our, hold, you know, shut off our emotions or don't get too emotional. You had to have that tough thing to kind of go in with the guys. Right. And I don't care where you're a guy or gal, you know, your emotions are your guidance system. It's telling you, it's giving you feedback. So where we go astray, is again, someone makes a suggestion, the most powerful thing in the world, and everybody's suggesting to you all the time, whether it's a TV, your friends, your environment, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Someone makes a suggestion and you accept it without thinking about it. And if you understand universal law and you read my book about like getting into the frequency of ease and flow, every time you hit contrast and you feel, you know, neg- that negative feeling, like that feeling that's not on the happy zone it's giving you feedback. Like, don't dismiss it. Love it. (laughs) Like, Oh, okay. I'm getting off my path. I got to go think a non-resistant thought and, you know, use it to stay on the happy channel. Because I talk about the the spirit of selling spirit is life. Mm -hmm. And when you life always moves in a positive uh, manner, right? You're either growing or you're dying. Right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to have life, you got to go for the positivity channel and where it feels good and get into the spirit of that there's always good and bad in everything because that's the beauty of how you can really appreciate what you want and you get to choose and how you and god gave us that so we could create and when you when you start looking at it not that it's doing somebody's trying to do it to you that contrast is for you to create even something better because you're a creator. You were born in the image of your creator. So of course you're here to create. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you start changing that perception and saying, I'm going to take my power back, I'm going to take my princely power back because I'm a child of God and I have divinity within and then, and you're not going to give it away anymore that's when the champ that's when you can really start accessing your potential and I just believe if every single individual of us all of us as you, children have God, all over if we all got the blocks off and got the limits off and actually we just did our thing like what our purpose is and the light that would shine the way the world would change it's it's amazing and I just want to get that message out and as many people you know it's like you know I'll make a difference somehow. I mean, they say, even, you know, if you save the sand dollar you throw it back in the ocean, what difference does it make? It makes a difference for that person. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm just, I'm just the messenger. I love that. Thank you so much. There was
0: so much of what you just said there. So <laughs> just heart filling. So thank you. you You're know, welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. And you know, so many times when we think about sales, um, the, the 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 people who are in sales they just want that next big hack. Okay, what technique do I have to do? What <laughs> they they're thinking there's there's this magic technique. They see someone who's successful and they're like, what are you doing? How do, how do I do it? And they and they want this you know three step powerful
1: thing that's going to happen, but it's not going to happen if their beliefs don't change. Right. Yeah, I think I think it it's all about understanding how to do things in a certain way, because you can have two people reporting to the same manager trying to do the mechanics. Right. And on the back of my cover, I say there's no life in the mechanics. Now, the mechanics are an output like it's what we created. And those mechanics change. Right. It's like for selling like in, before COVID, you could go make sales calls and do Face to faces and press the flesh and do the stuff. A lot of that has been, doesn't mean it's not happening today. Some of it, sometimes you can, but a lot of it had gone over to like Zoom calls or different kinds of ways of communicating. What is that? That's an example of how mechanics changed mm-hmm. and the people that went back to the principles of selling still succeeded and did. I mean, I've talked to companies both, you know, you know, I, um, uh, Companies that, you know, succeeded really and did, grew 20, 30% during COVID. And I said to them, why? And they said, well, it's great because I'm not in the car. I usually, I had a five-state territory. Now I can do all these calls on via conferences. I'm still serving, doing the same thing with the people using my network, getting on calls, you know, and, and the print serving people, right? Leaving people with an impression of increase, and really trying deeply to understand where they are and where they want to go, and being their guide for their transformation to get there, and they their sales were soaring. But those that thought, well, uh, now what am I going to do because I can't make a call, and would kind of refuse to look at other methods, you know, to get to those people, whether it's networking or texting them or Facebooking them or. LinkedIn, you know, that stuff, when they bucked that and they said, there's only one way to sell and it's the old, then they kind of, they, they didn't do well because they, they refused to accept some new ideas and they didn't go back to principle. They were relying on mechanics. And that's why I wrote the book, the book, these principles, universal law is timeless. They're timeless principles. It's serving one another. We've all come down, you know, when we decided to pop down on this physical experience, we're all spiritual beings. We came with a purpose. We didn't come to our parents. We came through our parents, but mm-hmm. we are here to do our thing. And every single one of the human beings on the earth has a special purpose has, spe- has divinity, a special gift to give. And if you're out there giving it um, it's, you're, you're always going to get taken care of, but, but it's, it's the principles. You got to understand the principles of serving one another because that's where you get your fulfillment.
0: That, that is so true. And it's, you know, it's important that we actually do work in a space that we enjoy. Oh yeah. You know, a lot of people, they grow up and say, well, I'm going to be an attorney because attorneys make a lot of money but they get into it and they, they hate being an attorney. They have the money, but they're, they're not very satisfied. They're not very happy. So talk about that. Why is it so important that we just do what we love?
1: Well, think about it from a law of polarity is like when you are doing something with your love that you love, where you get that fulfillment and you really just, you're in the moment um, you're in the present. You, uh, you, the time just goes fast. I mean, it just flies by because you're just so in the present and you're giving and you're feeling all that fulfillment where you're on a positive channel, right? You're, you're in the positivity, you're in the flow, ease and bliss, right? It's easy to do what you love. It's not hard. Um, Versus when you're doing something you don't love and you hate it when you're That's the opposite. Right. So you're the the life when you hate something or you don't like it, you're killing off the life in you and what you're doing. And so I say to people, I say, always, you've got to when you're transitioning for a job, don't just go get a job for the sake of a job to to pay the bills or do whatever. Please choose something you love. Please take time to think about the environment, the culture of the company you want to go to. If you just experienced a layoff or a culture that you didn't like, that's a gift. Look at the contrast. What did you not like? Write that down. Then go on a piece of paper and say, what's the exact opposite? And remember that you get psychological income. There's two sources of income. There's material income and psychological income. The psychological income that you get is when you're doing something you love. So why not get both incomes? Like, you know, don't, but if you just go for material income and there's no spirit in it, you're, you're kind of, you're going the wrong direction. And again, that negative feeling of not liking it is telling you you're going in the wrong direction. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going in the wrong direction. Go find something you love. And today, you know, I talk about it in the chapter on misconceptions of money and the whole money thing. You know, I think a lot of people have been told that what they teach in school is the 40 year plan and that you trade time for money. And that's the worst strategy that you can do. There's three strategies, time for money, money for money, or multiple streams of money. And the multiple streams of money is what the Babylon's used to do. And they knew it, you know, and the other thing is like, pay yourself first, put two things to work, you to work and your money to work. And that's just nothing more than a habit. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you, you've got to, I don't care what you're, you were here to, to spread your gift, grow and expand it, follow your heart and do what you love. And when someone tells you that, you know, that's, you're not being realistic, say exactly. That's right. I'm not being realistic. I'm (laughs) going to do what I love and just watch me, just watch me. And I'm going to have plenty of money because there's an infinite supply. And if I'm giving and I'm, a, I'm putting out, I can't lose because it's coming back to me because what you sow, you reap. And if you read in my laws, you know, about biblical, you don't just get back a little bit or the, the same or a little bit of what you give out. You get back plenty, like abundance back of that same thing. So you always want to think about what am I giving? What am I putting out there? Because it's coming back to you. The boomerang. Yeah, I
0: love that. And so let's talk about kind of balance of money and, and life. So a lot of times in sales, they're pushing the numbers. They're pushing the, the, the money. You know, it's just all money, money, money. But then it's like, in, and then you see people working, you know, 40, 60 hours a week chasing the money, but then they have no time to enjoy their life. So we're, how do we get that balance between creating an income? But then having time to do the things we like, like gardening or
1: painting or whatever it is we like to do. You have to make space in your calendar for that first. You have to say yes to you first. So, so it's, it's a discipline to say yes to you. And, and many times I find, you know, when I'm coaching clients, you know, the problem is they, they don't know how to say yes to them. They don't understand they can't, you cannot give what you don't got. So if you don't take your calendar and put in, okay, I've got to take the kids to school in the morning and I want quiet time. So you don't take that nine o'clock or whatever. I don't know, whatever your schedule is, you put your family stuff in, you put your meditation stuff in, you put your gym in, you know, so that your cup is going to be full, right? So your relationships, your, you know, all that stuff. And then you say, okay, now this is what I have left to do for work. And use that time to be productive, to do the most important things that are going to move the lever the biggest, right? And, it, and life starts to get easier because when you're in that state of bliss and ease, because you do, you did say yes to you, your cup's full, you feel good, right? And then you've got a lot of good to give out. And if you're, you know, I think, I think from corporate standpoint, you know, I've been there. I've been in the you know boardroom, like, what are you going to do? And we told you know the stockholders that we're going to grow 20%. Well, um, you know, you, <laughs> I I usually have a talk with them about the law of gestation. Just because you introduced a new product today, doesn't mean people have four hundred thousand dollars tomorrow to purchase that instrument or whatever. Um, you know, things have to be budgeted for whatever. But how can we create more value? So instead of saying go get the order. Or, you know, I would say tell I would tell the CEOs to say, go get go create value. What else can we do for them? Is there another service we could do? Is there something we could do with our service department to bundle it in and and wrap that up to add value? Is there um, a way that they could order electronically? Is there a way? I don't know, whatever it is, you know, just start using your imagination to create value. How what a What other kind of resources? Do we have a a collaborator, somebody we could co-market with and do a bundle and come up with some, who knows? Like there's a lot, there's thousands of possibilities. If you just start asking the questions, how can I create more value? And, and value is just not based upon product. I mean, value is based upon interactions with people, right? Mm-hmm. So when you appreciate your customers, when you get back to them, you know, and you give them their your full attention, when you're listening with them, I mean, there's all kinds of things that they're picking up that you're putting out. You may not be saying it, but they're picking up what you're putting down mm-hmm. and your emotional state when you go into a sale or when you go into work is huge because, that attitude that you're putting out is an energy field. And whatever you're putting out is coming back to you. So getting back to your original point about the work-life balance, if you want, if you spent the morning, you got meditated, you got your gym in, and you're just feeling really good, that energy's going out. And what are you attracting? Everything good back to you. But if you had to, you know gulp a cup of coffee fast, you woke up late, you, you know, you scheduled meetings, you know, back to back, you didn't put any breaks in your schedule for you. You're going to be totally stressed. Your vibration level goes down Mm -hmm. and then you're, you're, you're out of gas, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, um, do you have a, um, morning practice or something you do or anything you do each day that keeps you in that space that you'd be willing
1: to share? Yeah, sure. I, um, meditation and gratitude first thing in the morning. So gratitude is a coin of heaven. And, um, when you sleep, your conscious mind like shuts down, like it, you know, everyone on the planet's getting bombarded with thoughts like 70,000 a day, right? We have to remember we're not our thoughts. They're just thoughts that we can grab and make ideas with, but we don't have to react to every thought. So meditation's huge for getting plugged in in the morning to source and getting on that source flow of feeling good because your conscious mind shut down o- overnight. You don't have as much momentum from all those thoughts and your subconscious mind was still awake. But when you first wake up and you get in that meditative non-resistant, like I want to feel good, listen to your meditation make an intention for the day. Um, first thing that works for me. And then the other thing I do is get my gratitude book out and write 10 things that I'm grateful for. And it could be as simple as like, Oh, this bed is comfy or it's raining outside and it's cozy in here. Or my coffee, Oh, this coffee tastes really good. Or you know loving and appreciating your family or a memory that you had yesterday or whatever you you could just start writing and if you have time mm-hmm. you know there's in some of the workshops I do I say go for you know writing 50 and write about you know 30 or whatever you feel this switch of this surge of like just feeling that source energy well-being and that life in you and how grateful you are and man, when you get in that zone and you start riding that momentum for the beginning of the day, you're off to the races. And then work, you know, I either take a work, uh, workout or walk or something because uh, I like to get my physical stuff done in the morning. am a morning exerciser. Wonderful. Well,
0: thank you so much on that. Mm-hmm. So, when you're not working or you know coaching, working with people, what are some of the things that you enjoy in your life that you put into those spaces? You know, you have
1: family. You know, friends. What what things you enjoy doing? Um, my husband and I love traveling. Um, so we we plan trips usually once a quarter to make sure we're doing something. We also love to go to the golf um, outings, like you know when there's tournaments and stuff like the Travelers, or we went to the Masters and. Um, you know different things like that we have on our bucket list to go over to uh, the open we put the tickets in the raffle so maybe hopefully we're going to win that Um, go over there to Scotland this next in 2022 but uh, and then beach just going to the beach we have a vacation planned in November and we're just going to go we go to Key Largo and just hang read books and chill and have eat great fish sandwiches and hang out. It sounds wonderful. (laughs) So
0: wonderful. So just so people can find you, how do people contact you? At this point, just tell us, you know, what services you have, where to find your book,
1: all that stuff kind of compacted into one little summary. Sure. Um, So everything on the book, the the easiest way to remember it, if you remember the spirit of selling, just go to www.thespiritofselling.com. Uh, if when there's also, um, things you can download tools that come with the book, you know, that are free, you know, with the book purchase, um, to help you become more productive. So that's number one. And, and then my website is www.3x5coaching, like a three by five card, because that my whole business was, I, I did do that. I always had things written down on a goal on a three by five card since I was young. So my husband says, well, why don't you just call your company that because you're into all this goal stuff. So that's what, that's what I did. But on there, you can see that I do um, various services for people, whether it be um, assessments on just how kind of where your positivity is, you know, how positive you are. So there's two tools that I reference in my book that are also on the website. Uh, And then I do one-on-one coaching with people through, transitions and sales training for corporations, you know, um, where we embrace results-based behavior training on selling on the, why you do things a certain way, not, not more of the how-to mechanics for sales training, because I'm a big believer. If people just understand the why and the principles, they will always be successful because it's, it's doing things in a certain way that makes sense salespeople that are consistently successful. That's they're doing things in a certain way. And if you know that and consciously get confident on how to do that and just are not doing it as an unconscious confident, look out, man, you're going to take, you're going to take that torch and go way out there. (laughs) Wonderful. So, um,
0: just a personal question. What gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life at this
1: point? For me, it's when, I'm. When another person realizes the potential in them, like when, when my clients have those aha moments and I see them soaring and I see their happiness go up and they're just free again, um, that's nothing gives me more joy than that because my mission is to empower people. I know I came down here to wake up the planet and um, I'm going to stay doing it till the day I die.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the podcast today
1: and sharing all your wisdom. It's been wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a real honor. Appreciate it. I hope everyone gets a lot out of the book um, because it's, it's, there's a lot of spirit in the book too (laughs) and get some good uh, laughs. You can laugh at some of the things that I did in there that are kind of funny, my mistakes, but anyway, good.
0: Sounds fun. So I have one last question before we finish. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life?
1: Follow your heart um, listen to you, listen to your emotions and go towards the positive that's where the life is right and okay. trust trust that there is an infinite power and the powers that power is doing the work, not you. You just have to channel it and be open to be the instrument for the magnificent things that you're going to do in your life and let it flow through into you and you will be free and you won't have it a worry in the world.
0: Wonderful words to end on. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Kimberly.